Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. Uh, my next guest, uh, the company that he represents, actually we did get to meet over at Benzinga's Cannabis Capital Conference in Miami. Uh, feels like it's been forever, but unfortunately that's the last conference that we got to go to. And unfortunately the conference that sponsors this program, the USCC Expo, has been on a bit of a hiatus as well. But we've been dealing with this, but there are certain things on the horizon that obviously give us optimism and hope. And with an election year, you can always know that there might be certain things that are on the horizon that will peel the ears up of cannabis industry owners and the like. And we're going to talk about that with my next guest. He represents one of the nation's largest fully integrated multi-state medical cannabis companies. So everything from pharmacies, dispensaries, home delivery, cultivation, and manufacturing facilities. I'm joined by the VP of Corporate Affairs at Columbia Care. Uh, Adam Goers here is joining me on Blunt Business. Adam, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Great to be with you to talk about these important topics. If I'm correct, I believe it was on our Plant Profits program. We talked to Nicholas Vita, your CEO at Benzinga. But glad to bring you on because we're going to explain why your expertise is so good here. So talking about some policymaking that is coming to the forefront as we record this program. And, you know, by the time the show is published... We'll see where things are, but again, this is going to be a long, winding process, and it's been for a long time. So first of all, let's talk about Columbia Care. They operate, again, one of the largest portfolios, which is 16 U.S. states and the European Union, of highly regulated licensed medical cannabis product development, research, manufacturing, and dispensing operations in the U.S., producing industry-leading pharmaceutical quality products and research and clinical partnerships with top academic and medical institutions, including Columbia University and the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. So take a moment to talk about how the company has been managing this huge portfolio of yours during the pandemic. Great. Yeah. Well, Columbia Care has a has a has a long story in this industry. And I, I actually began, we're going to be talking about some politics in the Capitol, but it began in Washington, D.C. Uh, almost eight years ago uh, with the opening of the first dispensary and then cultivation facility. And uh, what makes Columbia Care, amongst many things, very unique uh, in this industry is that Columbia Care, by and large, two exceptions, is really homegrown in that sense that uh, uh, has begun as a, as a small operator and uh, has grown to where it is today and in 16 states, and that's right, as well as the European Union, working in, uh, uh, obviously, our, our, our core uh, and really where Columbia Care began, which was a real focus on, uh, on medical cannabis. And that's grown, though, also into markets uh, that have become adult use, like California, uh, in Massachusetts and Illinois, uh, as well as you know Arizona and a few others that we think are, are quickly going to turn. And what's been really amazing, though, too, is that the focus on medical uh, is actually ever more renewed and refocused in an adult use market, where we know the, the vast majority of, of customers in the adult use market are actually looking to treat, uh, uh, whether it's a medical or a health and wellness condition, uh, so it's it's really been a really interesting path uh, for Columbia Care that's gotten us here. Now, that definitely goes to the expanse of the company. But talk to me about this pandemic coming into play and being able to go ahead sure. and keep everyone on, on, on their toes 
and be able to go and keep this whole infrastructure stabilized. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think if we looked back even five years ago to think, uh, well, nobody was foreseeing a, a global pandemic, but if we, if we did that cannabis was going to be deemed essential in almost every single market across the country. Right. Uh, and what I make of that though, is, is ultimately how important it is um, in our society and, and how we can't turn back. And so whether that's uh, been Columbia care who, uh, you know, in all of our different medical markets have continued to operate and have to continue to operate because we service, we service a, a group of patients uh, that in many cases are suffering debilitating conditions. So while it, it was difficult, I think, for all companies uh, to be able to uh, continue to operate uh, through the pandemic, we we're also fortunate to be able to do that. Uh, but also it, what got us out of bed every day and that mission uh, was really to help improve people's lives. And so uh, that was very positive. And then obviously even in, our, in most of our adult use markets, uh, that mission continued as well. Uh, and I think something that uh, has happened here, we've seen you know, demand is, has grown. Um, and I think that's one because ever more people are recognizing how cannabis can have a, you know, a positive effect in their life. But looking back to and, and shedding the illicit market uh, and recognizing that, uh, you know, quality and, and particularly in these days, safety um, is really important. And that's why folks are, you know, increasingly, even in markets like California that have had difficulty, increasingly turning uh, to the regulated market. And that's what's kind of brought us through um, this pandemic uh, to the point that we're at here. It's amazing where every comp- uh, where the industry has been so resilient. And the reason for the resilience, and going back to March, or actually back in the April, I remember seeing stories from Yahoo News, and I've referenced this on the program many times, where legalization should have been on topic for the election year upcoming yeah. because of the fact that this would have been a great economic boost to the economy working its way back uh, to re- as the whole country reopened. And we already see, we have seen that as, as close as we've done. Right. And we've talked to a lot of different companies that have proven that point. So it's, you know, if you want a clear, you know, bulletproof evidence of where the industry is able to go ahead and provide the kind of stability towards a market that needs some help from uh, the new sector for that matter, this will be the right. place to go. So now, Let's go into policymaking. Let's turn into that. You were a longtime senior advisor to then Governor Martin O'Malley, former presidential candidate, uh, Martin O'Malley of Maryland, as well as you were a senior advisor to the Democratic Governors Association. You worked for Governor Tim Kaine, who also ran with Hillary in the 2016 election, Senator Hillary Clinton herself, or the former Secretary of State, and Congresswoman Tubbs Jones. So what can you tell us about your interactions with the policymakers? And their understanding of the cannabis industry, without putting any particular left-wing, right-wing party lines. I like to keep the show apolitical, but what is the understanding of policymakers? Do they have a good grasp of what's going on and what the benefits are? Well, you know, I had spent so long in politics and then then really did a a somewhat of a pivot into the business side uh, and and really ended up picking an industry uh, where, uh, you know, my experience was really important because... You know, ultimately, we, we are all uh, looking for, uh, you know, regulatory certainty to really open up these markets. And I know we're going to talk a lot about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, looking back to my experience, it, it definitely, you know, was not a mainstream issue, uh, you know, working for, you know, Senator Clinton, obviously, a decade ago, or even mm-hmm. in working with governors across this country. Um, it was it was viewed, uh, you know, even by John Hickenlooper, uh, who was the governor of Colorado when uh, you know they became the first legal state? 
you know, it was a difficult thing. And politicians don't like doing something first, right? They want to be the best at doing something second because they don't like the risk. Um, and I think that's uh, uh, But I think it's also, Adam, I want to just jump in real quick, but also, yeah, Adam, it's also sure. a matter of the optics. What? How does it play yeah. in the D.C. press? And what What are the constituents going to see? What do the polls say? Yeah, well, that, that's certainly grown. Um, and so sometimes I think even today, uh, when you see, you know, recent Gallup polls showing, you know, 65 plus percent of Americans supportive of, you know, legalizing cannabis, uh, you recognize that sometimes the politicians are a little bit far behind. Um, and so obviously, I think particularly two parties, but the Democratic side is caught up a little bit quicker than, than maybe Republicans have. Uh, but they're recognizing that uh, there's a lot of opportunity here, obviously, on the side of medical cannabis. Uh, we're seeing, you know, basically the entire country, 89% in a recent poll supports medical cannabis. Um, and that's because they're treating a, a number of debilitating conditions. Um, and so I think we can all be supportive of that, no matter our partisan bend. And then, and then we've seen ever lately this criminal justice, social justice, economic justice, uh, parameter and really tying that into cannabis. And so we've seen a whole new group of politicians, you know, coming along here and then others that recognize even just the economic development of what this is. Um, so, you know, we're seeing politicians and I can point to them in my experience that have really latched onto this issue lately. And it's all been because of a different reason. Um, and I think that we can be supportive of that and say all of the above, whatever brings somebody forward, uh, we should be supportive of. Now among the, the democratic, uh, politicians that you worked alongside or work with, there are a lot of moderate Democrats in that list. And what I'm saying is mm -hmm. we've seen the Democratic Party is definitely, there is a lot of a very vocal, uh, I guess there's, there's a very local, very vocal progressive side now that yeah. they would want to incorporate into something where it's more, uh, I, I don't know if they, if they feel the same in terms of wanting to go and push forward, but I think it's always been whoever's been in the middle of either party. They've been the ones that have actually been supportive of trying to put a bipartisan bill together. And first off, I want to just ask you about what you think about the direction, because since you've left in that decade, we've definitely seen a change. Is the interest of having a bill like this, you know, are we going to lose some of that support right there because of the agenda that some of the other policymakers are bringing up front? Well, I think we have to point to, the passage of the Safe Banking Act, though, this this uh, last year in the House of Representatives, um, as a real sign of bipartisan you know, nature of this and how folks are willing to compromise. Um, I think, you know, as we're going to maybe we'll talk later in the program here about the Moore Act, though, too. I think that's that's the where we want to get to. Um, and I think, you know, for so many different reasons, supportive of that. Uh, but we've also seen politicians willing to compromise. And so. I recognize too that you know progressive nature of the Democratic Party is strengthened, um, and there's a lot of goals there. I just don't think at the same time uh, that that's going to be what stops us getting some type of bipartisan, pragmatic, uh, you know, solution through um, whether it's in the coming months uh, or in this next Congress. So, but I'm what I think too, what I think too is that is that the established pol uh, the established policymakers in the Democratic Party that have the rule of the House of Representatives. So Maxine Waters was part of that committee to help get that safe sure. banking out through committee and to right. the vote. So she had the clout to go ahead and be able to get that pushed across. Same thing across when you see the state act. It's Elizabeth Warren, you know, might go ahead and uh, obviously has some points that might go towards that would be 
favorable to the progressive side of the party, but she still worked alongside Cory Gardner to put that bill together. As far as I'm concerned, the States Act is what I still support, and I think it's got the most possible uh, chance to to pass them both. And we've heard President Trump and Attorney General Bill Barr, they've expressed if that bill comes to, to be signed, first of all, Bill Barr would go ahead and, you know, he wouldn't be against nor would be be hesitant or resistant to it, and President Trump would just sign the bill if it was came to his desk. Well, I don't disagree with any of that, and uh, and I've been a uh, loud proponent. I'm the vice chair of the Cannabis Trade Federation, yeah. and we have been we have been out there uh, supporting the States Act, um, you know, since day one. Yeah. Uh, really, put a hand in putting that together, and I think you're right that it is the type of compromise language um, that can pass. I think, though, this year we haven't seen the Senate uh, be willing to put anything on the floor. And so I think we've also viewed at the same time that the Safe Banking Act uh, needs to be the, the, the first step there. And if we, we, we can't get there, we're not going to get the States Act. Um, and if we can't get to a States Act-like measure, we're probably not going to get to more. At the same time, there's so many important pieces of the MORE Act uh, that, uh, that we support uh, from broad policymaking. That you know, the, any step that the House of Representatives is willing to make to put something like that on the floor uh, and pass is a strong signal uh, broadly, and then you know, ultimately, it gets down to the politicking and to the uh, you know the compromise that ends up with what bill actually makes it uh, makes it through and signed. But we can be for all of the above, I think, at the same time. I'm here with Adam Gores, Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Columbia Care. We're talking. Uh, we're going to be talking about the. Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. We're going to go into detail about this coming up after a short break. Stay with us, folks. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I said palm trees make California. Yo, 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 it's your boy, TJ. Sure that James. You're listening to Dr. Bino on Cannabis Confidential. 
People were so excited to see you supporting our industry, and it's so important to see people who are mainstream, who are out there, that people look up to. That was my first one ever going to, so that was definitely a big deal for me. It's not just, oh man, just come smoke a bunch of joints. It's a lot of science into it. It's way more interesting than a lot of people might think would look down, per se, on what we enjoy. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back. I'm here with Adam Goers, Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Columbia Care. Uh, the U.S. House of Representatives, well, now we've talked about this before the break, in the month of September, uh, James Clyburn, uh, Minority Whip, he is saying that they're going to be putting a floor vote for the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act to give a clarity and def- a definition that would federally decriminalize cannabis by removing it from the Controlled Substances Act. The new legislation would also require federal courts to expunge prior cannabis-related convictions and establish funds for small businesses and the marijuana industry to first. Now, in recent uh the, the Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden has expressed uh, decriminalization would be his position when it comes to cannabis. And I know that nothing's been said by the Trump campaign. But what it comes down to is Chuck Schumer has also been very vocal about decriminalization and putting a vote uh, in the Senate in the same vein. So decriminalization has definitely been what's been talked about. But, um, I mean, I love that there, there are certain things to love. Like, again, being able to go ahead and remove cannabis-related convictions, the controlled substances. But the thing is, I think it's the business portion that is missing here, the banking portion, the other parts that right. the States Act would provide. And then, it, I don't know, if that, the MORE Act and the Safe Banking Act put together, I mean, I guess the pros and cons of the bill and what would work if, say, the Safe Banking Act was in the play or the States Act, which would include probably the language of the Safe Banking, what would be the better play here? Well, I think uh, first and foremost, the MORE Act takes a step beyond anything that's been contemplated yet. And, and so many of these, as you mentioned, restorative justice pieces, economic justice. Um, and so for that reason, you know, broadly supportive of it. I think the States Act, the States Act kind of normalizes what's going on right now um, and, and in effect pulls uh, you know, federal enforcement of any type of Controlled Substances Act uh, you know, down. And so we're supportive of that as well. I think what you see in Joe Biden, for instance, um, is a, a basically a states act like policy plus plus, which is you know states act policy, a decriminalization measure, and also you know support for restorative justice. Um, and you know I include that in decrim because it's got to be uh, you know moving forward. So I think that uh, we can applaud you know Joe Biden for having the most progressive stance on cannabis of any presidential candidate thus far, um, at the same time is also recognizing that, you know, we know that it needs to go further. Uh, and certainly Senator Kamala Harris, who was a sponsor of the MORE Act, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's a strong signal uh, that the House is going to be putting this on the floor. And, and uh, ultimately, I think it's uh, going to be seen by voters who are broadly supportive of this as a, as a step in the right direction. So I, I, I don't want to get too far into the you know, into the, the, the horse trading that goes, yeah, no, into yeah, the politics yeah. of it, because there is so much there. The thing, though, I sound like a broken record here on your program, but but ultimately that, you know, we can be for, you know, lots of different things and recognize that, 
you know, the political reality is is ultimately going to dictate what exact pieces of it we get and when. Um, but you know, I'm an incrementalist. Uh, you know, ultimately, I also at the same time, uh, you know, know where I want to get, um, and we know that we want to get to a place uh, where the industry is normalized, where you know, restorative justice is there, um, and we're going to fight every step of the way to get there. And I agree with that part. I just don't, for me, it's always about like, does it go far enough? Because I would sure. like the regulation more like tobacco or alcohol. I would want to have, you know, the interstate commerce. I would want to have the banking. I want to yep. have the businesses be able to flourish it, regulate it, provide it properly. I don't want the, because I feel like with this, it would kind of just open up the illicit market a bit more than we would want. But yeah. I know that the real the, the the real appeal of this bill right now to try to get it pushed through House and Senate would be to counteract, I think, would be the first step act that the president actually did sign offering something as a second chance act to for minority communities to give them a chance yeah. to go ahead and reverse convictions and get a chance, a second chance at life. But then the thing is with the Moore Act. You're doing this, but then what I also like with the States Act, I don't know if it's in the States Act specifically in the language, but I like the fact that have where some of these states, like Illinois or Massachusetts, they have embedded in the bill that those that might have been you know, convicted of uh, cannabis-related offenses would get priority at being employed by cannabis That's companies right. that was required in the bill. Opportunity zones were required in each individual state. That's where I think the states act goes farther for me. What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, you're, you, I'm going to latch on to something that you said, because I think it's really a state focus um, is ultimately um, the way forward here. And you're right. We've been a part of efforts and we won't support an adult use mechanism or measure or even a medical measure or law in any of these states if it doesn't have a social equity component, because we've got to make sure we do it from the, from the get go. Uh, one of the things I think that Moore Act is a bit silent on, you're right, is what is that future regulatory environment uh, going to look like? And I think that next year in this next Congress, you will see more detail that comes into more uh, that, you know, goes beyond just essentially legalizing it from this, you know, from the, the federal level and putting some constructs around it. Um, one thing that we're adamant about and a lot of our, our friends that we're fighting with for social justice and social equity language in these yeah. states is to make sure that the federal government, though, doesn't doesn't stop and ruin what states are working on. So things like interstate yeah. commerce, we're all supportive of. We need to make sure that there's a, a, a mechanism for it to begin rationally to make sure that that very social equity grower in Illinois that's just getting started you know, can make sure that the paint dries on his facility before he's trying to figure out how to operate in yet another market construct. Um, and so we, we're very much in making sure that there's a normal order and rational process. And frankly, that we don't rush into uh, too much federal regulation and opening of the doors too quickly uh, that could cre create chaos in an industry that has not seen normal yet. And my thing is, it's it would be the argument I would have if other drugs were allowed to be given this kind of act. So if you decriminalize, say, heroin or cocaine and made it to that point, I would have still wanted to be regulated and marketed properly because I think I, I even my, sure. my point, some of the libertarian kind of sense of my mind would think, you know, you could get to that point. And we, you know, if, the, if people wanted to have it and they want to have that vice, let them have it. But let's control it so that at least just like alcohol, we know it could be, you know, for some people, if consumed more than moderation, you know, there might be effects to it. But if the people want it, let's give them access to it. Uh, now, I want to go and talk about the other factor when it comes to the Moore Act, which is, uh, and this is where I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough. And 
you know, unfortunately, this is probably a little too technical and too legal for some that might be uh, in the mainstream, listen to the media. Because the one thing is, I before I get to that, I don't like the fact that, you know, it's been very little public coverage of this. The media, you know, I've already been feeling, I've been very critical of the mainstream media right now because it's a matter of, yeah, it's holding people accountable is one thing. But again, when you don't have bulletproof evidence that could be held up in a court of law, and then there are certain stories that are being, you know, can't, they're not being discussed that should be brought to the mm. forefront. This act, you would think people should be talking more about this. This should be part of the of the, the, the evening yeah. news, but it's not. I do wonder a, a bit, though. It, it's Democrats, you know, I think Joe Biden has taken, as I said, and we got to applaud him, the most progressive stance on cannabis yet of any presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I think it's not, you know, a marquee issue for them. Uh, so that's where I do think that the House Democrats, though, putting the more act on the floor that is Senator Kamala Harris's bill is a strong signal. Yes. Um, but you're right that there's so much more that needs to be done. I mean, I'm out there talking uh, to as many outlets as I possibly can about this. Um, and so I do believe that, um, you know, and do watch over the coming weeks, uh, you know, we're planning a lot of, a lot of work to try to get this more attention uh, because I think it's an important signal ultimately for voters uh, this fall to see who is out there um, on this issue. And, and that's why I appreciate the fact and was was really excited to join you on this program yeah. to talk about it. Uh, it's so important that we are. I mean, the, the main discussion, obviously, it's what, what, what is it that's going to sell and what's going to create clicks? So the civil unrest, COVID, things like that. But I think it still comes to the fact that any policymaker that's able to go and put this up, if they want to get this in front of their constituents and say, hey, I'm here to go and legalize cannabis, I don't see how that's not a winning platform. When 60, when I think the latest Gallup, the 67% of voters are supportive of it. Um, There there are a few issues. I will tell you, putting my old political strategist hat on, there were a few issues that pulled that high um, that are, uh, you know, winning issues for, for candidates. And so, uh, you know, we are, we are talking to politicians and encouraging them to embrace this one. And, and I, and I do say, Let's give it a few more weeks as this vote becomes, uh, you know, uh, comes to uh, uh, a head here uh, that maybe we're going to see more uh, coverage on it. I'm hopeful. I hope so. One of the parts I think is has been missing from the whole subject, even from the coverage I've seen, was the addressing of 280E. So 280E, for those right. uh, we've talked about on the show, you, some of you might remember I spoke with Jason Brown with Foresight Financial. We spoke specifically about 280E in detail, so please go back and refer back to that episode. Uh, in terms of uh, IRS Code 280E, enacted in 1982 to deny the deduction of business expenses for illicit operators selling drugs on Schedule 1 or 2 of the Controlled Substances Act combined. These factors could drive down prices. According to one estimate, federal legalization could drive prices down to 5 and $18 per ounce from something that would be $250 per ounce today. Existing businesses designed to operate under the current legal framework in the states could find it hard to compete in the event of federal legalization. So, Adam, does it feel like the offer doesn't really scratch the surface of what the industry really wants? Well, I, you know, I, we do believe that the MORE Act will... Uh, as well as the states act for that matter, you know, will remove 280E barriers for us. And so, you know, we're confident in that. Um, I do think that uh, 280E is, and I'm glad we're talking about it, because it is the most important element of of the business right now uh, that, that is keeping this industry down. Um, and you're right, bringing high prices, 
it's making the illicit market not very competitive in a high tax jurisdiction like uh, uh, or making the regulated market very competitive in a high tax jurisdiction like California. Uh, so we think it's obviously imperative. Um, and we think ultimately uh, that lowering of prices uh, because of 280E will give an opportunity for uh, states, local and the federal government to tax um, and create uh, you know, new funding to you know, support initiatives uh, in New York State, whether it's to help balance the budget or whether it's federally uh, to make grants uh, to help uh, with social equity licensees. So we think there's a lot of room there and we think 280E is the thing that's got to go to get us there. <laughs> I do agree. I, it's just there's there's a lot obviously there's a lot of gets that, that really need to be happening. The levers of of political power need to open those switches so that this industry can go ahead and hit that uber level afterburners blowing on this. You know, like a Top Gun right. aircraft. We need that to happen. And it's just it's amazing that the, the everything's been growing. Obviously, we still see room for growth in the industry. There are more states now looking to go ahead and get recreational on the you know get, get uh, adult use rather. Uh, put on the ballot. I know Arizona's got that. I think Montana's looking at that. And I forget who else. But for the matter is, there's still new markets to grow. And then there's the full circle that if we get to, if it's going to be, I mean, the criminalization would be great. But then again, we'd still have the barriers that we have right now of states coming in. And then if, you know, uh, let's say if, if law enforcement will still go ahead and, uh, you know, respect the fact of that, you know, if there's still going to be things where, you know, I mean, what will the change in terms of being be uh, for pull, being people people being pulled over? You know, the traffic stops. What will change of that kind of dynamic, or what would change of a uh, you know if it would just be fines as opposed to uh, criminal time, or just you know, or, or know. making it more of a felony to things like that? I mean, it's it's well, a whole lot of well, they're tied, they're tied, and I will see that, and that's why I think the more act is important. What we've heard very clearly from social justice, uh, you know, folks is. We're going to fix the business environment at the same time that we fix um, the criminal justice and the, the social equity opportunities. And yeah. so we've heard as industry, um, you know, ultimately, I think we can all agree right on on all these broad criminal justice and social justice, social uh, equity opportunities. At the same time, you know, as a business, we're trying to drive for that bottom line. We know how important 280 is what we've heard from our friends, though, uh, you know, that are that are working on this day to day on that side is that that's really important to them. And so we, we recognize as industry that we have to marry these issues together yeah. um, and really try to make sure that we get all of the above. Um, and so as much as I'm impatient, right, uh, we all are in this industry, <laughs> yeah. uh, to get some progress, uh, we also have to recognize and, and uh, that there's others that need progress and, and they need it because we can't have, we can't allow 280E to go away and at the same time be comfortable for too long that you know our our friends and neighbors and family are getting pulled over for cannabis and having criminal justice issues or are not able to open up their business opportunity because they don't have access to capital when i've gotten 280 you go away so it, it's difficult and it's sausage making that's politics uh but uh but uh you know at the same time we can also be an incrementalist and, and try to take wins along the way and i think we've seen you know willingness even of matt gates uh uh on the yeah. republican side uh, to negotiate with prog progressives to try to see what could we do in the states act uh, to really give it a, a big boost of of uh, social justice and social equity uh, to be able to get you know a moderate you know middle of the road piece of legislation forward and so that's why I'm hopeful.
it's bipartisan. I know in the state of Florida in 2016, when uh, they put the bill out uh, to try to get uh, adult use uh, to go and go through, if you would have just taken all of South Florida or just any, anything south of the I-4 corridor, it was about 75% support for medical and 67% yeah. for adult use. It's, I mean, and that's a state that's very much middle ground. When you talk about like a swing state, that even then that, it's the same effect. It would, I still think, I still think you could get the argument out there. You could, you can definitely make the point, listen, there'll be more research. It's going to be safe. We're going to make sure that if kids uh, keep their hands away from it, or if it's going to be used where they use the oils or things that will help for certain ailments, then damn, let's go ahead and get that for these kids. Let's help these kids out with epilepsy or seizures or any kind of ailments that has already been proven through scientific research that have been there. That's right. And the one thing, too, is that, you know what, the House, or I mean, the Senate did pass the hemp bill. Mitch McConnell was uh, responsible for trying to help to get that pushed through. I can see where, you know, it's it's just depending on what are, what comes out of the quorums that come up during the House when they finally bring this up uh, very soon to see what they're going to say. Because I'm actually curious to go and watch C-SPAN to go and see what they're actually saying about it. And, you know, just yeah. find out what individual politicians want to go ahead and put their take on. I'd like to see what they're asking. Yeah. More interesting than seeing everything else I see on here when it comes to, like, these committee meetings <laughs> or just, oh, my God, man. It's, I want actual <laughs> policy that matters. That's what the whole point is. Well, next year, I, I, I'll put this to you as well, but I think we're going to see a lot of change next year. I mean, if there's a Democratic trifecta, as I like to call it, yeah. with uh, President Biden and taking control of both, you know, chambers, you know, we're going to see measures move quick, um, and we're ready for that. We're also recognized that if we have more of the status quo or if Republicans keep control of the Senate, which maybe if you're a betting person, what what I'd, what I'd bet on today is maybe a President Biden with a Republican Senate, we're going to see opportunities for compromise. Um, and I think uh, Republicans, particularly after this election, are going to have to take stock of where the electorate is already. And that's why I said sometimes politicians take a little bit longer to get to where they need to go. Uh, but I think after this election, uh, they're going to see what how powerful this issue is. And we're going to see compromise out of the Senate. And we're going to see important measures from the MORE Act come and get combined with important measures from the States Act. Um, and, and so, again, that's where I think we're heading. And we're going to go to another break in just a second. But I would say that I don't, I mean, it's fine. Let's go ahead and have, uh, let's have the, the, the talk in the chambers. But I think, you know, any kind of a passage, I, I think anything like this, I would look at January 2021 because I think right now it, it's just such a moment right now that the election season has to go through. But the election season, I truly think, is going to expand all the way up to the inauguration. I think that's where we're going to be going with. So to see any policies right now being uh, presented is great. So at least get the conversation going. But I don't know if we can get any kind of a passage or anything that could come up before November where we can see that significant change. I just uh, I don't know where we can get to that. But I like that this was being brought up again. I just wish there was more coverage of it. But let's go and take a break. When we come back, let's go ahead and see what might be left in the Morac after all this is done, because obviously the negotiations will start to begin. We'll hear about that. Talk more of that but here with Adam Goers, Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Columbia Care, here on Blunt Business after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. 
Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. It's time to Hemp Resent. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm here once again with Adam Goers, Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Columbia Care. And by the way, the website, if you want to go ahead and take a look, it is col-care.com. Also, uh, you can also look at their stock price and uh, if you want to go ahead and put a little money in towards them in the OTC markets, they are trading as stock stock symbol CCHWF. So, Adam, I want to ask now about the actual uh, act itself and what could stay in and what can be left out once the uh, the House Chambers begins talking about this and start making discussions. So, LegalScoops.com, they report that the Moore Act holds several crucial statements aimed to change the way government sees most cannabis-related activities, from recreational use to building an enterprise around it. It is supposed to deschedule marijuana, expunge prior cannabis-related convictions, Allocate revenue to those who were affected by previous drug enforcement acts, providing provide financing access to small marijuana-related businesses, and apply a federal excise tax on marijuana and cannabis products. For me, does that all make it through the bill? Well, I think I think I don't believe ultimately uh, this year, particularly. I think we can all agree nothing is going to make it through. But I will say that I think on the floor, this is going to be the final version that the House votes on. I think really importantly, when we look to 2021 is when the real negotiation is going to happen, because I think this is a bit of a placeholder bill. This is a this is a, a, you know, advocates uh, making a stand um, on a bill that I think does really, really important things. I think next year, uh, particularly if. uh, we have a again, as I call it, a democratic trifecta uh, in November. We're going to see the more with additions added to it. I don't think we're going to see anything come away because I think we can all recognize and support, uh, you know, the different aims here, which really are aimed on criminal justice, social justice, and, and opportunity. Maybe there'll be some fine tuning. Maybe the tax rate on the excise, uh, how much of that gets to the federal programs versus incubating what we talked about earlier, the state-based social equity programs that we think are the most important here. 
Um, so I, I think we could see some changes there as well as how uh, the federal government tries to help uh, with state licensing. What I think is going to be the big piece in the conversations that we're already having that's going to come into this, though, is how do we regulate this marketplace? Uh, we all recognize, too, that we want to see um, you know, more commonality um, you know, across the country to make operating easier. At the same time, given that we really are trying to incubate so many of these state-based social equity programs, we need to make sure and ensure that you know, things like interstate commerce come in in a rational basis. I think we all want to see an open and thriving cannabis market, but we can't do that overnight and, and ultimately uh, kill a lot of the promise and incubation that's going on in these different markets. So I think you know, we'd look to see and expect to see a slow ramp up or a period of time in a, a handful of years when interstate commerce begins. Um, and, and I think those will be the important mechanisms, um, as well as recognizing that as 280E goes away, uh, we may see other, other types of excise taxing come in or point of sale retail taxation. Um, so all of those details, I think, um, are yet to be figured out, conversations that we're all having. But most importantly, the core components of the MORE Act, descheduling and creating opportunity funds and expungement, those things are there. Uh, with minor, minor changes potentially on, uh, you know, a future bill. We'll leave it there. Uh, before we go and wrap up, go ahead and take a minute to talk to our listeners about what they can do uh, to go and follow to your website. Again, at col-care.com. Uh, if they want to learn more, what we want to uh, leave Absolutely. our listeners with. Well, well, please do go do go and sign up. And obviously I'm very active on social media. Um I'll tell them this, if you're interested and care about the MORE Act, make sure you register to vote. Go out this November. I think that's an important one we should all be uh, reminding each other. Uh, but ultimately, I think I think really look to where this industry is heading. And I think it's a, you know, a focus on quality and, and safety. And I think that's really uh, you know, what we've focused on as, as a company and where I think this industry is heading, um, as well as uh, continue to take a look at what's happening in the states, ultimately the laboratories we call them the politics laboratories of democracy, but ultimately these are the laboratories of cannabis markets. Um, and each place is different and there's a lot of opportunity out there uh, uh, for business folks uh, that want to be involved in plant touching or ancillary. And, and we're excited to see you out there. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Uh, again, Adam Goers, Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Columbia Care. Again, col-care.com, OTC Markets, their training at Stock symbol CCHWF. Adam, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you. Thank My you. My pleasure. Great conversation. And thank you, listeners, for listening to another edition of Blunt Business. We hope that you'll also uh, take your time to go ahead and follow the facts here. And once Election Day comes, we hope you'll, that you'll make your Thanks. voice heard as well. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next Hello. week. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.